Dear friends, welcome to another edition of Forum 2000 Online Chat. My name is Arzu Geboula, and joining me today is a French political scientist, Professor Gillis Keppel, one of Europe's leading scholars of Islam, the Middle East, and North Africa. He is the author of many widely acclaimed books. His latest English language, uh, English translated book is Away from Chaos, the Middle East and the Challenge to the West. Um, it was reviewed by the New York Times as an excellent primer for anyone wanting to get up to speed in the region. So Professor Keppel, it's a pleasure to welcome you uh, on this chat. Welcome once again. Thank you, Dobri Dan. Professor Keppel, while I very much hope uh, we and wish we had time to talk about the entire Middle East and your take on the situation there today. Uh, I've been actually tasked uh, with focusing our conversation on Afghanistan specifically. So with no further ado, I'll jump straight into the questions. Um, and I would like us to start from um, you giving us a bit of a background on um, the Taliban intrusion. Um, were we supposed to expect the Taliban's takeover of Afghanistan after the U.S. troops left the region? Well, definitely, this had been already planned uh, uh, in uh, the old days of Barack Obama and uh, also prepared by Donald Trump. And to some extent, Joe Biden just uh, implemented a process that had been decided. Uh, what was problematic was that uh, it, uh, it happened in such a terrible way. There was no coordination between intelligence, uh, diplomacy, the military and the like, and that led to a number of security breaches, like the, the bomb, the bombings that happened at Kabul airport. And, uh, but, uh, you know, the fact that it was so hasty and that it, it gave this feeling that uh, the US uh, behaved in a rather irresponsible way. Uh, so opened a, a number of uh, uh, questions. Uh, the first one was, uh, you know, uh, this is the uh, not the first time a foreign army uh, pulls out from Kabul. And uh, the first one was the Soviet army uh, that uh, pulled out in uh, 1989 on uh, a date which is well known in uh, Central Europe because, uh, you know, after the Soviet army pulled out from Kabul on the 15th of February, uh, 1989, so it became a paper tiger, and this was the reason why you could have the Berlin Wall uh, in uh, uh, November of the same year. And so, you know, uh, people tend to believe that what happens in the Middle East is uh, very remotely related to what happens in Europe. It is not true. I mean, uh, the, uh, the end of communism, in a way, was prepared far before uh, the Soviet pullouts, but it was... Uh, it was made possible because uh, the, uh, uh, the the Red Army was was confronted to its ineptitude on this day. And the funny thing also is that uh, you know uh, when the Soviets invaded Kabul on Christmas Day, 1979, Zbigniew Brzezinski, who was uh, Carter's uh, national security advisor at the time and who is a Pole, uh, who was a Pole, as we know who was obsessed with the, the Soviet presence, 
uh, wrote to Carter, hey, we got them. We're going to inflict a Vietnam on them. And now when, you know, the, fun, the, the, the amazing thing is that, or the strange thing is that this year, 2021, the images of the American pullout not only bring back images of the Soviet pullout, but also of the American pullout from Saigon in, uh, on the 30th of April, 1975, eh, from Vietnam. So, you know, this is interesting because uh, before we uh, sort of focus on the Taliban themselves, uh, the fact that all this political Islam in the region was to some extent uh, precipitated by uh, American help at the time is also very telling. And uh, this asks a number of questions about American behavior in the region and how they manipulate some uh, groups or some parties or even religious movements for their own interest on the long run and how to some extent it, it backfires. So my second question uh, is about the Taliban. Who are the Taliban today? Uh, what are the differences between the organization today and the 25 years ago? Many people, uh, maybe out of wishful thinking, uh, said that, you know, they had changed. Hey, they were the Taliban of the internet years, so nothing to do with the, the old Taliban, their fathers, uh, who broke uh, TV sets uh, publicly uh, when they, they ruled Afghanistan between, for the first time between 1996 and 2001, until the 9-11 uh, uh, attacks. Well, this is... Um, on the surface, it is true, because uh, those young Taliban manipulate the social uh, networks, like uh, ISIS manipulated social networks, if you wish, but they did not make it less radical. Uh, the, uh, uh, they say also that uh, the Taliban are an Islamist movement, which is focused mainly on domestic issues, and it is to a large extent true that it is a staunch, uh, staunchly nationalist movement. And Afghanistan, uh, from time immemorial, has been, as they say, the graveyard of empires. You know, this was the place where the British Empire uh, confronted the, the Tsarist Empire. And uh, when you go there, you know, you see graves and everything of British uh, and uh, Russian soldiers of the old days, and then of Soviet and American soldiers. But... Uh, the, in spite of this staunch nationalism, uh, the, the Taliban, nevertheless, have been exposed uh, to international jihadist movements. And uh, when uh, we looked at, uh, you know, the, um, the chat rooms and uh, whatever you could uh, see on uh, Telegram or uh, another messenger and, and what have you, uh, you know, putting forward messages from uh, from the jihadist movements worldwide, they were they rejoiced, of course, in the Taliban takeover of Kabul. Not only because they were down after ISIS uh, failure, because they thought you know they had been uh, vanquished. Now they they see new rays of hope with the Taliban, and uh, they they wish that uh, in the near future they could relocate some activities uh, and benefit from Taliban hospitality, just like bin Laden benefited from Mullah Omar's hospitality in the late 1990s and early 2000s. 
So this is not sure because there again, the world has changed. At the time, China did not exist. And uh, now China has already made, made a deal with the Taliban as uh, they made a deal with, uh, with Iran uh, because they, they would like the Taliban not to give a helping hand to the Uyghurs, uh, which are persecuted, the Muslim minority in China, which is persecuted by the Peking regime. And therefore, uh, you know, those Taliban are more sort of prone to uh, enter into sort of uh, discussions, negotiations with the rest of the world. That's on the surface, but uh, underneath, uh, there's a big, uh, a big question mark, which is, which is open. I mean, it is clearly not going to be a place for uh, stability, not to mention the fact that in terms of human rights, women's rights and the like, uh, many people have fled the country uh women are uh, you know some of them have courageously demonstrated uh, they were put down by the by the Taliban militias and police and now uh, it is becoming increasingly compulsory to to go fully veiled in in burqa as it was before so as if you know 20 years of american presence suddenly were erased back to uh, square one Thank you. I think this is really important about especially the most recent internal developments of how they're treating the Afghans themselves and especially with with regard to women. Now that the schools have opened, it's only open for boys education. Um, Girls are not allowed in schools. Um, Next question, I would like you to talk to us a little bit about what do these events mean for a democratic future in the region, in the wider region? Well, the uh, year that's uh, just elapsed, I mean, the, the pandemic year of 2020 has, uh, has uh, turned the tables in, in the region very much because, um, you know, the reason the region is so important in the world system or was so important was first and foremost that it was the main provider of uh, fossil energy, uh, gas and oil to to the world and through the Straits of Hormuz, uh, one uh, fourth of the exported consumption of oil of the planet, uh, you know, crosses every day. So it's a very important issue uh, in terms of the global economy, of security and the like, and hence development of terrorism in in this area is, has immediate uh, consequences on on the world system. Now, the pandemic has stopped the economy worldwide and it has precipitated the uh, 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 terrible crisis uh, in the oil countries. Even though now uh, oil and gas prices are rebouncing, uh, but um, so they became aware that then when the a uh, barrel of oil reached minus $37 a barrel, not below 37, but minus 30, minus zero, that, you know, this was extremely fragile and that they should invest in renewables. That, uh, you know, they would generally, the petrol monarchies like Saudi Arabia, the Emirates and the like would say, okay, we'll do that tomorrow, as they say in Arabic, bukra, inshallah. Uh, but then they became serious and they thought they should use their huge sovereign funds. Uh, you know, we're talking about thousands of uh, uh, millions of, of, of dollars under, under gestion. 
uh, to uh, biotechnology and to prepare to uh, be the main purveyors of renewable energy in the future, uh, while you know they can still uh, deliver oil and gas as cheaply as possible for the consumers and as expensive as possible for them. But then they should prepare for the transition because also they have to cope with global warming and the like. And this has become a very strong issue. So that led to enormous political consequences because this was what actually was the basis of the Abraham agreements, i.e. why is it that uh, the Emirates, Bahrain, and Bahrain means uh, something which is done with uh, Saudi uh, Arabian blueprint because Bahrain is uh, is uh, under uh, uh, Saudi influence. Uh, then uh, Sudan and Morocco also for other reasons. Why did they decide to recognize Israel to open diplomatic and economic relations with them? It is because they need Israeli technology. And so, you know, the startup nation sold its know-how uh, to, to its uh, neighbors. And this is recreating a sort of uh, integrated hub in the region. Like, for instance, they invest a lot of money in Egypt in order to create a small China there, a small manufacturing country. So the region is taking a new shape. And this is also uh, raising a number of expectations. Like, for instance, uh, this uh, uh, Abraham or Abrahamian agreements or accords um, uh, has created a coalition which is opposed to another one which was backing the Muslim brothers wherever they were, i.e. political Islam. Turkey, Qatar, and Iran. A strange sort of coalition between people, uh, countries that were Sunnis and other Shia. But this was not the main issue. The main issue was that they had to, uh, to work together in a sort of an anti-American and anti-Israeli basis. Uh, and also to try to uh, sort of uh, get a hegemony on uh, the, the political expression of Islam worldwide. For instance, in 2020, uh, Erdogan decided to re-Islamize Hagia Sophia. Uh, and uh, this he did both in historical terms on the 24th of July, because this was the anniversary of the Lausanne Peace Treaty, on which Ataturk, with his army, managed to, uh, to expel uh, the, uh, the Europeans after World War I and to recreate what is the territory of Turkey today. So he sort of put his shoes into the boots of the military Ataturk in order to twist the arm of the secular Ataturk who had turned Hagia Sophia into a museum. And also that took place on that year, 2020, when it was pilgrimage season, the end of July, and because you know the Muslim calendar is not as it's not the same as the uh, the solar calendar. It goes back in time uh, every year. So uh, 2020, end of July was pilgrimage or Hajj season. Usually, you have pictures with 2.5, 3 million Muslims gathering in Mecca under the auspices of Saudi Arabia. It gives an image of immense strength of Islam. None of that because of the pandemics. There were only a few thousand people who symbolically made the pilgrimage. Where it happened was around Hagia Sophia in Istanbul with people holding spades, uh, uh, holding uh, 
sabers and saying Islam is the greatest, etc. With a very strong desire of Erdogan last year to expand his influence in Europe, to push uh, Muslim brother groups and ultra-nationalist Turkish groups in Germany, in the Netherlands, in Switzerland, in, uh, in France and other places, which created a lot of trouble uh, with the other Europeans. So, and this was also um, this year with the, uh, uh, the takeover of the Taliban in Kabul. This was uh, underline, underlined because uh, in Turkey, where many of the uh, you know, uh, European Islamist groups who fled Europe uh, took shelter, so they rejoiced, and Erdogan himself tried to play an important role as, as a sort of godfather of the Taliban, which they did not accept because they don't want his tutelage. So this, you know, reshuffles the global deck of cards in the Middle East and uh, makes it a big issue for Europe because uh, with American pullout from, uh, from Kabul, uh, American disinterest in the Middle East and in Europe, and uh, American refocusing on the Southern Pacific, uh, this is also creating a major challenge for Europe in terms of how to deal with migrations, how to deal with the uh, southern and eastern borders, something which was, you know, sort of farmed out to a large extent to America until recently. And this is, we are now really uh, uh, facing our new responsibilities to some extent. Yeah, thank you for that. I mean, I, I live in Istanbul and cover some of the developments here. So I do remember that Hagia Sophia stunt and it was clearly very symbolic, especially on his front. Um, this is going to be my, my last question. And I kind of want to take us back to um, the decision uh, of the U.S. to withdraw from Afghanistan. I mean, you know, was this a necessary step? Was this an act of, you know, some say it was an act of coward cowardness. I mean, it's it's 20 years, you know, it's 20 years spent in a country. Was it worth it, especially with an exit that it was carried under? Well, you know, in retrospect, I mean, the way you ask your question, there is no answer, but no. Uh, so I don't have much of a choice. Uh, let me play the, the American devil's advocate, which for a Frenchman of Czech origin is complicated, but let's try. Uh, the, um, uh, the American taxpayer was sick and tired of those endless wars. And uh, particularly in such states like, states like the famous swing states of uh, Ohio, uh, Pennsylvania and the like, which were traditionally, uh, you know, blue collar states, people voted for the Democrats. Now there are no factories anymore because they have been relocated in China. So the children of the former blue collar unionized workers had nothing to do but go and work in the security uh, groups like uh, whatever their name is that went to fight private wars in Afghanistan, in Iraq, in Iran, many of them came back home dead or uh, injured for life. And, uh, and then those people would, uh, the families of those people would vote against the war at any cost. And this is why Trump was elected, you know, because Mrs. Uh, 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 Mrs. Clinton was, was much more of a warmonger, was perceived as such at the time. 
So uh, Biden was also uh, chosen by the Democratic Party, the Democrat Party, in order to, to recapture those states, which he did. So he had to deliver on the promise to a large extent. And I believe that, you know, American policy is what it is and uh, our politics are what they are. And so uh, uh, everybody thinks about the midterm elections next year. And, you know, the White House believes that no one is going even to remember that stand from which they, they pulled out next year. So I guess that, you know, you have to think in terms of uh, American domestic policy. Also, you know, they are now obsessed with China. And hence, they decided that they had, they, they had to pull their resources out of the Middle East and increasingly out of Europe and the Atlantic because the big challenge is Russia, is China, precisely. There is no, no Soviet Union anymore. Even though there are problems with Russia, they are not of the same magnitude as the problems they have now with, uh, with, uh, with China. Uh, you know, and this is a thing which is far more com complex than the, with the Soviet Union. There was no Soviet, um, the Soviet Union did not possess uh, the uh, uh, investments in, um, uh, in, in the American economy at the time, you know? And so is corporate America uh, in tune with the Biden's policy towards China? It's a big question mark. So they are refocusing all that. And this is a big issue because uh, the middle, is the Middle East going to be able to be stable without American presence or not? And what is going to be the, the, what are going to be the consequences on our relations us Europeans with our uh, southern and eastern borders. And this is, you know, this is one of, one of the big issues for us, I believe. And uh, as we are going to have the French presidency of the EU starting uh, January 1st, followed by the Czech presidency starting January, uh, starting July 1, clearly this is going to be one of the big challenges that we'll have to face. Well, it's, it's going to be interesting times to, to watch for. Um, I have no further questions. This has been extremely interesting to me personally, and I would love to stay and continue having a conversation, but unfortunately, we're pressed with time. Um, thank you so much, uh, Professor Kepler. It was a pleasure.